Welcome to the Cairo Radio Rundown, the show where we collect takes from all the hosts on the biggest stories of the week and force them to compete involuntarily. It's the Puget Sound's Overton window and podcast form, and I, Jake Rummel, give you the chance to look through that window in 15-minute increments. So today we're going to talk about possible election unrest. After a several-month stretch of what felt like nonstop protests, local law enforcement agencies are drawing up plans for how to respond to whatever happens on Election Day. Here's Hannah Scott reporting for Seattle's Morning News on that, as well as on some of the more dramatic moments that took place just this weekend during local protests. Demonstrators who've been spreading their message on the streets of Seattle headed to Bellevue Saturday to make some noise. But the city and police were well aware of the plan and monitored the group of about 100 from the time they arrived at a downtown park about 6 p.m. As the demonstrators made their way through the city to downtown, Bellevue Mayor Lynn Robinson took many by surprise, issuing a civil emergency alert and weapons ban, barring things like like sticks, rocks, fireworks, and other items that have been hurled at the cops during protests in Seattle. The mayor said she issued the order to protect the public from multiple opposing groups. One of the businesses here found propane tanks stuffed in the bushes. So all of this combined, plus their history in Seattle, that led us to believe that they were getting ready to launch an attack. Yesterday, Bellevue Police Chief Steve Milet told Cairo 7 TV it was a win. In the end, things remained fairly peaceful, with just one arrest for somebody driving on a suspended license. Milet also spoke about the concern of future civil unrest over the election. The election is coming. Um, all of the regional law enforcement agencies have been in communication with each other. We are making preparations and, again, hoping for the best and and concerned about you know um, widespread civil unrest as a result. The Seattle Times reporting the FBI also monitoring chatter for possible widespread civil unrest on Election Day and beyond over those election results, regardless of which way they go. For now, they say there's no specific threat or event that they're particularly concerned with, but they're preparing, as are 300 Washington National Guard troops, training specifically for possible election demonstrations. Governor Inslee was asked about the issue last week. Well, I'm very hopeful that the margins of the election will be large enough that there's not a reason for controversy. That would be a great blessing for the United States. We hope that that'll be the case. We are considering um, in a variety of ways measures to make sure that we uh, provide security. And I think we will, uh, we've got a good handle on that. I won't go into any great detail about it. But yes, we are thinking about things to be prepared uh, should that uh, occur. Another protest on the east side over the weekend made clear anything is possible as a man pulled a gun after somebody threw liquid on him during a pro-Trump event in Woodenville. Hey, 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 gun, gun, gun. He's pulling. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? I'm calling the police. I'm calling the police. What's your It's water. It's water, you snowflake. It's that video has gone viral with millions of views and many using it as an example to spread their own positions, only heightening the growing tension in the lead up to Election Day. Gene Ursula talked about all this as well, but I was particularly interested in the reaction to the moment in Woodenville with the water and the Trump hat and the gun. In my lifetime as a news person, we have had what we call slugs. It's the stories, we, the names we give stories. I remember a story called Murd Snowball. Murd being murder over a snowball. Someone threw a snowball at someone and someone was killed because of that. So you need to remember that something can very easily trigger somebody. 
I want to. I want to make just more, bring it down a little bit. Really quick, you said you said on on both sides. When you when you say both sides, like you're talking about both sides, as in like whoever this person was that threw water on him. Yeah. So that, that person, was an so that but, was an anti Trump protester. That's an anti Trump yes. protester, and he was wrong for that. Yes. But let me let's be clear about something. Yeah. The person that pulled that gun yeah, and pointed way too much. Way too much, and yeah. he needs to go to jail. Big take from G there, but here's what he said 49 seconds later. I know it was exactly 49 seconds because I checked. I got to go back on what I just said. Hey, I got. I I'm, I'm wrong. No, I can't. I can't. I can't say that the person who pulled out his gun should go to jail. I, I, I'm I'm wrong about that because now that, now that I think about it, you're right. That could it could have been anything. It, yeah. it could have been whatever. So no matter what. If you have something thrown on you, you don't know what it is at that time. It takes about a split second to figure out, well, oh, was that water or whatever it was. So Yeah, and, and in I fact, say. they still don't know. And the reason, because they know who this person is who was who pulled out the gun. They have yeah. not arrested him because I heard police, the police chief saying, we need to find out more details. Yeah. I mean, was this person doing it in response to something, you know, right. him feeling like he was being attacked? Again, everyone needs to just chill out. Jack Stein, filling in yesterday for Dory Monson, also tried to make sense of why this keeps happening. It kind of hit me out of nowhere that I think that in in this election cycle in particular, the level of rhetoric around health care, around immigration, around jobs, around COVID has been so intense when people tell you, oh, they're going to try to take your livelihood or they're, uh, they're going to try to take away your health care. People with pre-existing conditions are going to be kicked off their health care from either side of the aisle here. I'm talking about Republicans on one side saying that, oh, well, there's people who are trying to take your freedoms and they're trying to take your liberties. I happen to be one of those guys. <laughs> but, and then people on the other side who are saying they're trying to steal your health care. They're trying to take over your, uh, they're, trying to, they're trying to take everything that you've gotten from Obamacare away from you. If you put people in a situation where they believe that their livelihood is going to be taken away from them, or that their health care is going to be taken away from them, they will react. They will just become reactive because now they're in a, a fear state of mind. And I do wonder what happened to being neighborly and what ha- <laughs> happened to having a neighborly disagreement. Stein was also perplexed by the reports that we just talked about that law enforcement is making plans for possible post-election protests. Uh, military police in Washington are preparing for possible civil unrest after the election. What? <laughs> what? So now we're going to have uh, 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 the National Guard to come out for, for an election to have to protect people after an election? What's going on? I really, I, I still am, am, I've yet to fully grasp what is going on with people who feel as if violence is the best way forward. Because if you're going to try to intimidate people into staying home, it's not going to work. If you're going to try to intimidate people into not going out and voting who they want to vote for, it's not going to work. If you're going to try to intimidate people by saying, if you vote for this guy, we will hurt you, that's not going to work. It's actually going to make things worse. Here's Mike Lewis from Cairo Knights talking about his greatest election aftermath concerns. One of the things that's going to happen this year, very different than other years, is we may not have a final result on election night. We're typically, we frequently don't on some elections. In fact, the last city council races, if you remember, um, a lot of the races weren't decided actually on, on, on the night of election the presidential one typically is. It rarely goes longer. Obviously, it did with, with President Bush and, and, and former Vice President Al Gore. The concern here is that while that could happen again, if you remember back during the Bush and Gore court battle, there was a lot of consternation about it, but you didn't see the same level of social unrest then that you're seeing now. And so the question is, like, can we go through that period. I mean, even if we have a quiet election night, can we go through a period 
of additional vote counting, potential lawsuits, that sort of combative language um, that seems to come a lot of times from the White House, but certainly isn't solely limited to the White House. Uh, that sort of thing, if that sort of thing is actually going to continue uh, through through the next the two or three weeks past the election, that seems to be the the big concern that even if we get a quiet night, it's going to start ramping up pretty quickly right after that. Kind of similarly, John Curley on For Your Afternoon Drive laid out what he imagines could happen the night of the election. Look at 2016. Uh, He wins. Uh, Mm -hmm. People go into the streets, start to burn, and then the day he's inaugurated, uh, they're screaming and yelling and breaking things and setting things on fire. I had seen that Black Lives Matter out of Sacramento was trying to raise enough money to to have 10 people go and take a firearms safety training class. And then I read further into the thing, and basically what they said is... uh, if Trump, if Biden wins and Trump contests the victory, there will be riots. They will protest. They're organizing people, trying to get thousands and thousands of people to get ready to go out into the streets and do something if if Trump it contests the, the results of the thing. So this is the heckler's veto. We get a chance to see it live and in person. To me, it always seems like the left shows up, r- runs around, uh, breaking things, setting things on fire, and then a bunch of knuckleheads on the right show up, and they don't like the fact that the left's out there. So then there's the confrontation that goes on. Um, and it's the extreme on both sides, which is what oh, we saw absolutely, a lot of in Portland. Oh, so. absolutely. Right, absolutely, in Portland. But here it is in Woodenville. People have got some Trump flags, and then some teenagers think, well, I'm going to go over there and scream and yell at them. So the guy's a complete moron for pulling out a gun. What mm. is he going to do, pull the gun out and shoot somebody for throwing something into his face? Probably not the best move for him, but certainly it does make the person who throws things in people's faces think twice. Is this person just nutty enough to pull out a gun and shoot me? Are you willing to lose your life because you don't like Donald Trump? John and Tom's conversation then became about whether protests organized by the right or the left are more violent Generally speaking, are you aware of what people if you're wearing a MAGA hat and you walk down the street, someone feels it's OK to yeah. scream at you or throw something at you. Right. You understand well, that. Right, up, Tom, you get yeah, that. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how many times that happens. OK. But the All thing right. is, I never hear you talk about the, these uh, militias that are oh, uh, behind crazy Evan Bundy. And oh, yeah. they have they have organizations, 26,000 people in 15 states. I mean, that sounds more scary to me than a random teenager who throws some possibly water Uh, here's my point is that i believe the left feels as if they need to do what they need to do in order to stop donald trump and i think that the right the crazies on the right that they go off and protest it's like i want to be able to have my free speech and the people on the left know your speech is violence and therefore your words hurt people so then we're allowed to hurt you because you're hurting us with your thoughts so we're going to end with this You might have noticed, maybe because you've tuned in or just because you usually hear him on this show or maybe you even saw a headline about it, Dory Monson's been absent for the last few weeks. Today, he returned to air and he explained why. Here's that explanation in its entirety. I will tell you, these have been a really challenging couple of weeks for a lot of us. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know that I've been away from the air for almost three weeks now uh, at the request of Bonneville, Seattle, Cairo Radio, and started after the gubernatorial debate between Jay Inslee and Lauren Culp. I was on Twitter. I wrote a comment about what I saw 
as a disconnect between what Jay Inslee calls science after the way Washington State allows a person to change the sex on their birth certificate decades after they were born. Well, my tweet did not hit the mark. Instead, it was painful for some of our listeners and for a whole bunch of people in the Twitter sphere. And for that, as I said, the day after that tweet, I apologize. On that Thursday, almost three weeks ago, I said, I'm sorry, that's not where I was going. That's not what my intent was on that. Uh, Hours before that show, I shared a more personal apology by phone with a couple I know, a couple who were angry at me because they have a transgender adult child. Even with my apology that day, criticism of my tweet started pouring in. They said I was making fun of transgender people, which, honest to goodness, didn't even cross my mind then. But people called me transphobic. The Seattle Times called me transphobic. Uh, Websites called me transphobic. The truth is, I couldn't care less. And I've said this a million times on my show. I couldn't care less if an adult wants to adopt a different gender, change their gender. At the time, I was commenting on our governor and changing official state documents. But nonetheless, it is clear that my tweet caused some people quite a bit of pain. So I want to repeat what I said on October 8th to those who might not have heard it then. I'm sorry. If you directly or indirectly were harmed, our station has taken a lot of heat for that tweet And I feel awful about that, too. My producer, Nicole, tough as can be. But I apologize to her and thank her for standing strong. Uh, The person here at Cairo who answers our phones, Donna, she had nothing to do with the tweet, but her phones have been flooded. And I apologize to to her, too. There are a lot of people who have been touched by this. And since October 9th, I will tell you, advertisers on this show and our station, they have felt the pain. And I accept responsibility for that, too. Not only do I value and respect the relationships that I have with my advertisers, I cherish it. And your commitment has been incredible strength. Honest to goodness, besides my family and my faith, I get up every morning with you and our listeners in mind, my sponsors and my listeners. I will never give you less than 100% of myself. And so all of us, Bonneville, Cairo, me, you, the listeners, we're going through our own storms right now. Some of these are storm after storm after storm. As a Christian, I will continue to pray that each of us, each and every one of us, comes out of this year stronger. As a Christian, I pray for forgiveness if my words caused you pain. And on top of that, I'm praying that each of us uses diversity of thought to get to a greater strength. Honesty and diversity of thought, that's part of what makes Bonneville and Cairo such an incredible place for listeners and hosts like me. Bonneville has worked to handle this carefully and to make sure that everyone was treated fairly. And I'm grateful that I'm back on the air. Meanwhile, I will also pray that my words today create some healing for us all. 
So that's the Kyber Radio Rundown for October 27th, 2020. I'm Jake Rummel. I also produce, edit, and mix the show. Our opening theme is Break Over You by Draper. And our closing theme, Golden by Parade of Lights. You don't always have time to listen to every Kyber Radio show, but you'll always have time for the Kyber Radio Rundown. See you on Thursday.